0: Hi everyone, this is Food Institute CEO Brian Choi, and welcome back to the Food Institute podcast. This week, we welcome Bo Peabody, who is co-founder of Restaurant Discovery Platform Seated, venture partner at Graycroft, and also co-owner of Restaurant Group Meze. We'll be discussing the current state of the restaurant industry, how the various segments from fine dining to QSRs will likely evolve, and how restaurant technology is changing the game for operators. With that said, we welcome Bo to the show. Bo, welcome to the Food Institute podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: So Bo, let's get the conversation started with your background. You've had a very diversified set of experiences as a restaurant tech entrepreneur, restaurant group owner, and as a venture capitalist with a focus on hospitality. Please share with our audience some more details about your background.
1: So I've owned restaurants for 25 years. Um, My restaurant group is called the Meze restaurant group, and we are located in Western Massachusetts. And uh, I'm also sit on the board of Boqueria, uh, which is a polished, casual Spanish tapas concept. We have four restaurants in New York City, two in D.C., one in Chicago, and a brand new one in Nashville, Tennessee. And then also the co-founder of Seated, a restaurant discovery platform um, for consumers and a way for restaurants to uh, bring more diners in. Um, and then lastly, uh, I do hospitality, um, investing on behalf of Graycroft, which is a venture capital firm with offices in New York city and Los Angeles. So I, I say all that, um, not, not to, uh, you know, not, not to be too thorough, but I, but I see the restaurant world from a number of different angles. um, and I do think that it gives me, um, I see it, you know, particularly as it relates to New York. Right. Um, I, I see it from a number of different angles, you know, our, our, our sort of tagline at Meze is serving New Yorkers when they're not in New York. So even right. when people are, even when people are, are not in the city t- t- tend our clientele tends to be from New York. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing the interesting movements, um, in habits and geographies, uh, pretty up, up, up close.
0: <laughs> That's great. So why don't we start the conversation with your thoughts on the pandemic? As you know, the restaurant industry ground to a halt at the start of February, March, 2020, and has since seen gradual improvement both in sales and indoor guests. What are you seeing now as trends for the industry, and where things may be headed?
1: Certainly, things are better. Um, and let's let's just take New York specifically. Um, because I do think it's been a very different experience depending on where you've been in the country. Um, But for the large dining cities uh, which I would characterize as New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, you know, the pandemic has been, has been taken seriously in those cities. Um, Mm -hmm. And those cities have gone through similar, um, you know, gyrations in terms of the way that the restaurants have, have, have been affected Um, in New York. We're, Seeing uh, a massive rebound in, in the last six weeks. Um, it, it looks very similar to the rebound, to a couple other rebounds that we've seen. Um, I would say 2020 was pretty squarely the pandemic. Um, mm. And then 2021 was a few fits and starts. My co founder, Bryce Compel, is fond of saying that we've had sort of four pandemics. <laughs> um, Uh, you know, each variant has sort of provided its own, its own set of responses. Um, I do think that what we're feeling right now, what I'm seeing both in the Berkshires, what I'm seeing in New York city is that New Yorkers, um, are feeling safer, uh, and better about dining out than they, than they have been, uh, or than they have for a long time. Um. And so the numbers across the board have been quite good, uh, really, from the beginning of the year. Um, right. I guess January we still had a little bit of the Omicron hangover, but but pretty quickly came out of it. And I'd say February was like the first month that things felt, you know, very normal. And I March the numbers so far are quite good. Um, and so yeah. I'm quite optimistic as we go. And also the weather, it helps, right? Just, right. just getting, it's been a cold winter in New York. Um, and so the, the weather is quite, is helping a, a fair bit as well.
0: Yeah. I was, I was in at Expo West, uh, this past week and, you know, all the different halls and I'm sure you've been to Expo West. It's just, you, you couldn't move. It was, it was yeah. absolutely packed. So if that's any sort of barometer of where we're headed, I'm like, okay, so the restaurant industry will likely see, you know, if things continue, um, we'll be back to normal, if not even better than what it was pre-pandemic. So it's a definitely good, uh good indicator out there.
1: Yeah, I, I think what's going to be, I don't think there's any real question that spend levels at restaurants will return to their growth pace that they had been on for 15 years, you know, prior year over year prior to the pandemic. And the question is, what will the mix be? Mm -hmm. Um, And how much how much have habits changed in terms of the availability of of, of both geographically and quality wise of of great takeout? Um, You know, what 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 impact will that have on dine in? Because I you know, the restaurant business is. Primarily a dine-in business, and it's from a from a profit standpoint, right. it's almost all a dine-in business. So right. you know, the, the amount of profits that any restaurant makes from from takeout, you know, d- unless they're solely a takeout business, is is small compared to the dine-in business. And that's what we're really focused on: is is dine-in going to return to the same levels that it was in 2019 and 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 the few years prior?
0: Right. And that's a per- perfect segue to my, my next question. And so which is kind of like if you look at the spectrum from fine dining, the Michelin star restaurants, all the way to the to the QSRs. What is your view? You know, where how are the, the, the various spectrums? How how are they going to you know, where do you see things going, you know, as we look out towards
1: 2022? Yeah, well, I do think that there's um there's going to be, I mean, look, the oper- the good operators really shined in COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sounds counterintuitive, but whether it was the ability to take advantage of the government programs or the ability to retain your staff or the ability to shift your mix from dine-in to take out, the strong operators really showed up and they they benefited actually greatly from COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my business, the business of Boqueria, several of the businesses that I'm close with in New York are all stronger, more profitable, you know, than they were. And there's more opportunity than there was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. That isn't true for everybody. right? Um, but I do think that we are going to have a, a massive um, uh, build out of restaurants by the strong operators who are just going to get stronger. And I, and I think that New York will look more like Chicago mm-hmm. in that it will be dominated by these larger groups um, and there will be less one-off sort of middle, middle-tier middle restaurants. You're right. always going to have the one-off, you know, super high-end, you know, Omakasa or super high-end right. t- t- tasting that, you know, One White Street. Those are always going to exist. Um but I think that the the sort of mid to upper tier is going to be dominated by these strong groups, right? And we could debate whether that's good or bad. I mean, I I tend to think it's good because as long as they can continue to provide quality product, um, mm-hmm. a better run restaurant is is better for the city. It's better for diners. It's 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 just better. Right. Um, and and I think that's you know. That's what the pandemic has done. Is it's weeded out the tor- so the tourists, you know, who right. were in right. the restaurant business, right. you know, just because they thought it was cool or, or whatever.
0: I definitely agree with you. It's also been interesting to see the rise of outdoor seating, especially in cities like New York. What is your view on how outdoor seating will evolve as we move past the pandemic?
1: Well, look, I think again, you know, it's a, it's an awesome example of the type of thing that the that the great operators took advantage of um, and now have increased their, uh, their capacity without increasing their rent. Mm-hmm. And they've created a separate and distinct dining product mm-hmm. um, that a lot of people love. Um, and a lot of people would prefer, you know, even in, even in a 60 degree night, they'd prefer to eat outside. Right. And I think it's not just because of safety. I think, it's just because that's something that didn't exist really in new york on a, on a mass scale right. um, and now does i think that the city is going to you know i think it's going to it's going to find its way to the right place i think that there are some streets in new york where it doesn't work right um, and that's a problem and if you're one of the restaurants that's on one of those streets and you're you're going to be you know it's, it's bad luck right but there are some streets and some sidewalks where it works incredibly well, um, and where the operators handle it really well, um, and they keep things clean and they keep things safe, and um, so I, I think it's going to be a little. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, it'll be dealt with the way it should be dealt with, which is a, which is without a blanket, right? You know, regulation. I, I think that's it's just it works in some places. I think it works in more places than it doesn't. Right. Um, I think the city has been looking for reasons to get cars off the streets for a long time. (laughs) Um, This is sort of a natural and organic way to reduce car traffic. Um, You know, you don't want to have big sidewalk eateries on Third Avenue. Right. You know, that doesn't make sense. Right. And there aren't any, you know, there's, you know, a few things here and there, but it's, but for the most part, you know, it's, it's, it's more limited than in some of the side streets. So, I think the city is going to be smart about this. Like, I, you know, Eric Adams is a huge restaurant goer. Right. Um, he loves restaurants. He, he, he understands how important they are. Um, they're a big part of, of, you know, who he is as a person. And I, and I think that that's super helpful for, for us. Um, I, I've yet to see him out, but I, I, I hear stories of him out and about all the time. So uh, yeah. in, a, in a great way. So, it's, right. it's you know, I think it's going to end up being a, a positive.
0: Got it. No, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely interesting. I recently found out that he is, uh, he's a vegan. Um, And with the, with the introduction of vegan Fridays, like, you know, there's been a huge shift to, 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 you know, to plant-based, right? Like I I didn't expect to see such a big transition so quickly to plant-based obviously 11 Madison park kind of being the poster child of, of this, this evolution. And so do you, Expect to see um, this movement continue in full force. Like, uh, you know, are we going to see this this type of program in other cities across the country? What's What's
1: your view? We're going to have plant based and hamburgers. That's it. No one is going to give up hamburgers. Right, right. <laughs> and know, pizza, I, I, pizza, pizza too. I, I, well, you know, you can do pretty good plant-based pizza. Um, but But anyway, I, and you can do pretty good plant-based burgers as it turns out. But I, I think that, you know, it's been, you know, plant-based is the 20-year overnight success story, right? I mean, you know, it, it's been going on for a long right. time and it's going to continue – and yeah, there's been a you know a little bit of a push, obviously, with with you know sustainability as a as a key topic, and I'm, I welcome that. I think it's great. I think my restaurants are largely we call them vegetable forward. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's lots of vegetables on the menu, and um, my co owner and and chef Nick Moulton has every single vegetable tattooed on both <laughs> of his arms, literally everyone. So, uh, you know, veggies are an, ex- you know, an important part of, of the ecosystem. And um, and I think they're going to continue to gain traction, not just because they're being prepared as entrees, which they never were, right, right? but because the innovation in technology is going to allow more plant. I mean, I just had plant-based, you know, this is a stupid example, but I had plant-based licorice. <laughs> like, it's like way better than normal licorice. Right. So, wow. you know, you, you're you going to find places where it's better, you know, and, right. uh, you know, I, I think that that's, what's going to really continue to move. It is just not that people are sacrificing that they're not sacrificing. Right. You know, right. that the options are better and cheaper and, and, and more readily available. So I, I, I think it's great. I think there's a bunch of food movements that are, you know that are that are great you know the and and that will continue to to take hold as america becomes more aware of what it's putting in its body
0: right absolutely um so once just shifting gears here um you know i know that you come from a tech background um you know you you help out seated. um what are you seeing in terms of restaurant technology you know coming to into a place? you know everything from robotic arms that are working you know Creating meals, you know, in 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 the kitchen to you know POS systems and you know what, where where is the industry the restaurant tech industry going, and how quickly is it being integrated um, in restaurant operators today?
1: Yeah, well, the pandemic provided an opportunity for people to to have a minute to focus on the technology they had in their restaurant and what changes they wanted to make and getting more efficient and being better data-driven operators, you know. And all of that really comes down to the POS. Mm. The POS is the central nervous system of the restaurant. Right. And it's more so today than it was 10 years ago. And it was more 10 years ago than it was 10 years before that. And 10 years from now, it'll be pretty much the only piece of technology that you need to buy. Mm -hmm. Um, and you will have a bunch of things appended to that, some of which the POS will own, some of which they will be partnered with. Mm -hmm. Um, but nobody wants to buy seven pieces of technology from seven different vendors. Right. Nobody, not, not, and certainly not a small business operator. Right. Right. So the more things you can buy from your POS, the better. And the fact is that there's three or four POSs that are really good that are really modern, that are really open, that are really thoughtful about what restaurants need. And those guys are going to win. Mm-hmm. And they're going to buy or partner a bunch of things integrated in. They've already started to do it. And it'll make life simpler for the restaurants and way more data-driven and integrated.
0: Right. How does um, how does seeded kind of – in the ecosystem of of restaurant software, right? Because yeah. there, there are some, you know, big competitors out there, right? And so um, how, how is Seeded kind of differentiating itself, you know, with the myriad of options out there in the market?
1: We are not a software company. Mm-hmm. We do not have software in the restaurants and we will not have software in the restaurants. Got it. We sit on top of the software that the restaurant already uses and we are just a demand generation tool. Got it. And so if you want to make reservations available on seated, you tell us to put them into whatever system you use, open table, resi, Yelp, seven rooms, talk, whatever you, if you want to put, make ordering available on seated, you tell us to put those orders into chow now or toast tab or whatever you know ordering system you're using so it was very important to me when I started seated to not be a, rest- a software a restaurant right. software company interesting um, yeah. I just think it's being done f- very well by a lot of other people and what isn't being done well what none of those platforms do with the exception of open table mm-hmm. is provide real demand Right. For the restaurant. Right. And, and I would say I'd, I'd add Chow Now to that list too. Chow Now is doing a very good job with their order better network okay. of creating a, a demand generation engine mm-hmm. um, for restaurants. But all the demand is being generated by DoorDash, Grubhub, right. Uber Eats, Seated, Dinova on the corporate side. I mean, it's actually precious few Right. which is why I'm so passionate about seated is mm-hmm. that there's only so many places where a restaurant can, can generate attributable demand.
0: Right. right.
1: Right. Like throwing an ad on Instagram is not a good strategy for a restaurant.
0: Right. Right.
1: right? And so using us, using American Expresses, spend a hundred, get 20, that's right. a big program. Um, Dinova is a great corporate dining program. Um, you know for some lower tier restaurants you know we don't work with these types of restaurants but Groupon can still be right. a useful tool rewards network can right. be a useful tool for that level of restaurant so but still it's only it's less than 10 right um and so uh you know we very much position ourselves as you know one of the leading dine in demand generators and our plan is to partner with POS to partner with we're already partners with China. We're already partners with Toast. Partner right. with the credit card companies. The credit card companies play a really big role in this, right? They, they have, they and the POS are the are the real sources of data, right? On what people are spending, when they're spending, how they're spending, what they're spending on. You put those two things together,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it's game over from a data perspective,
0: right? Right. Is seated currently. Obviously, I, I've, I I see it because I live in New York. Is it currently national right now, or is it, uh, or you know, where where is is seated currently? Can you, where can you use it?
1: You can use it in Boston, New York City, Atlanta, and Dallas. And by the end of the year, we will add the other eleven major dining cities in in the U.S. to that list. Um, which is the usual suspects, L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, right. Denver, Seattle, Miami, D.C. Um, and then we'll probably take a little bit of a pause and figure out whether how, how quickly we're going to go international mm-hmm. versus c- seated probably works in about 90 cities in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there need to be enough of a restaurant population in order for the marketplace to have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll try to figure out whether we go international to the big cities internationally in 23 or whether we sort of dip down into some of the second and third tier cities. Some of the second and third tier cities in the U.S. have great, great dining markets. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's wonderful places, uh, Portland, Austin, Charleston, Portland, Maine, you know, it's it's amazing uh, where restaurants have 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 really taken taken hold.
0: Well, my last question is related to the impact that restaurants have on communities. What is your view on the role that restaurants play in building the social fabric of a neighborhood or city?
1: So, part of our mission statement at Seated is supporting restaurants as vital threads in our social fabric, mm-hmm. um, and we chose that that those those words very carefully um, because we believe that. Restaurants are sort of the common denominator of, of urbanites, for sure. Um, and also we think of, of, of most American communities, um, that, that those are the places where people gather. Um, and they provide, if you think about, a ra- you know, when you go to a restaurant, you, you're probably in one of the most vulnerable positions as a human mm-hmm. as you ever are right? Because you're outsourcing the collection and preparation of your sustenance. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, when you put that into someone else's hands, you become like the last time you did that was when you were a baby. (laughs) And so you become a little bit, very vulnerable, which is why people love restaurants so much when they they provide on their promise and also why they behave poorly when restaurants don't, Mm-hmm. Provide their promise because they're fundamentally vulnerable, and I think that is what is what makes them such important parts of society and community. Is that they're places where people feel can feel just elated mm-hmm. by the fact that someone else got their food, prepared it, and 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 served it to them in a way that was incredibly pleasing um, and artful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the, what makes them. Important and what will continue to make them important. Um, and by the way, you know they're not. It's not just an economic thing. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. restaurant. The restaurant business is fifty percent business and fifty percent artistry and passion. Right. right? It's not. It's 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 that's what fuels it. And in fact, that's what helped it so much in the in the pandemic was that the right. business went away, but we still had the art and the passion. Right. Right. So we still were around and doing stuff, and we we wanted to create and 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 it and it it helped tremendously versus other industries that were just, you know, only fueled by business. And when the business was gone, you know, there wasn't much left to it. Um, so I, uh, I'm incredibly bullish on restaurants, both returning to and increasing their impact on communities. I think the fact that better operators have risen to the top is going to make a big difference, you know, the you know, restaurant space in Tribeca where I live that's failed three times, and now we've got John McDonald going into that space who mm. knows how to run a restaurant, right? And right. that restaurant will be there for as long as that landlord will have him because yeah. it will not fail, right? And it, that's going to make my little three, four, five block radius a better place, right? You right. know, a much better place, and and that's the impact that that you know, a hundred seats can have on 10 blocks.
0: Right. Well, awesome. Uh, so that, so that brings us to a close uh, of uh, today's podcast. Um, Bo, if people wanted to learn more about Seated, about Meze, about your hospitality group, about Greycroft, I know there's a lot of questions there, but how can they learn more? Where, where can they go?
1: Google is a wonderful tool. <laughs> You all you gotta do is type my name in. Which, if you can't remember my name, <laughs> you have other problems. So type in my name, and you'll see everything there. Um, all my work at Greycroft, Meze, Bo its all on the first page.
0: <laughs> awesome, well, Bo, well, thanks again for coming on the Food Institute podcast, um, and thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, and
1: thanks, thanks for doing this. It's important stuff, and I appreciate it.
0: So that will do it for this week on the Food Institute podcast. I want to thank Bo again for his time today. Until next time, this is Brian Choi, signing off.